Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Everybody faces fear at one time or another. It's how you deal with it that makes all the difference. That's what Kyle Dean Houston and I discussed in this episode. Kyle's not your garden variety keynote speaker. If you're looking for a fresh perspective on success, fast growth, and what it takes to play at the highest level, Kyle's unbelievable life story exemplifies the tenacity of the human will. We discuss why we need to face fear if we want to move towards success, how to build your risk muscle or risk tolerance, the one thing to do to get started facing your fears, and other golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for being here, Kyle. I appreciate you making the time. It is my pleasure, my friend. The big idea we're going over about bringing big ideas to life is finding success through facing fear. What does that mean to you? How did you discover that? What's the story there? Uh, What does that mean to me? I, first of all, I think, I think everybody universally understands that this is true, right? Whether they let that come to surface or not is, uh, is up to them. Right. But I think most people that have ever achieved anything, let, let's remove definitions of success, are going to realize that they've got to move outside of comfort in order to have a transformation. In order to achieve something, you're going to have to give something else up. So what I have found is that those laws of the universe um, are directly proportional. So if you want to become exponentially successful, whatever that means to you, you're going to have to face extreme discomfort, right? And for me, success is complete transformation. Understanding what I'm made of, understanding what 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 life's all about, all of those greater truths. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get there in my experience, right? Now, I'm not some Buddha on the mountaintop that can levitate across the river just yet, but the only way to get there is to face fear. And I'll even go one step further the only real competitive advantage that I've ever seen in the business world or in life itself is risk because mm-hmm. risk is the one thing that most people try to mitigate and risk is the one thing that will allow you to see the unseen, if you will, right? Move beyond your imagined idea of the outcome and find something, again, I'll use the word exponentially greater. I'm sorry, I, I I have no short answers, man. I'll work on that, but uh, but it probably <laughs> didn't happen on this podcast. But it's important. It's important that people understand that innately, as a human being, we're programmed to run away from fear, to hide mm-hmm. it, to mitigate it, to kind of try to control our lives. And if we go against that intuitive uh, coding, if you will, we're going to find the, our our higher selves, and that's what it means, my friend. Well, if success, you said, is complete transformation, what does that mean? I mean, complete transformation to to what? Well, uh, that's the magic word, right? That's the that's the million dollar question. To what? I don't know. I, I'm 53 years old. I've gone through enough stuff, which I'm sure we're going to get into some of this, but I've gone through enough stuff in my life to know that whatever I think I'm capable of doing, whatever I think I am. I have no idea, right? I've barely scratched the surface, just like everybody else. This isn't about Kyle Houston. This is the universal truths of human beings. All of us 
have barely scratched the surface because we've defined ourselves down to this very small common denominator. And transformation to me means that I move beyond those barriers. Now, I, I, I didn't mean to get so esoteric, but, but that no, really is good. this phase of my life for sure. So why do you think people stay in a comfort zone? Well, primarily because it feels good, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're, it, I'm just going to get this out in the, into the open. For me, there's multiple parts of our being, right? There's a human side. And then I subscribe to the supernatural. I believe there's a God, a creator of the universe, all those things. And that I'm, my greater side of me is tied to that to some degree, right? No, to every degree. The only thing we're talking about right now is consciousness, right? So why do we uh, gravitate towards comfort? Because as a human being, we are this system of endorphins and biochemical reactions and all of these things that either feel good or feel bad, right? It's a kind mm -hmm. of a binary system. And, and it's more complex than that, but that's, that's really what we do. And we get rewarded when we you know, have the serotonin going through our minds and, you know, all of those biochemical reactions. And since that feels good, that's what we run, what want to run towards. Now, all of that is short-term rewards, right? When we become conscious of this process, we understand that there's long-term rewards that intuitively we don't go towards until we start to see success, right? So for the most part, we have to see pleasure. We have to discover that there's pleasure on the other side of whatever it, blah, whatever it is we're going through in order for us to continue to move. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, because we don't have the endorphins and all of those things firing off, we try to stay right in our comfy little fat, dumb and happy pocket. Well, when is the first time you, fa what you faced what you would consider to be real fear and how did you overcome it? Wow. Hey, congratulations, man. That that's the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> Thank uh, you. And I've been asked a lot. Um, real fear. So I mean, I've been, I've come close to dying when I was a kid. Uh, and I'm talking 10 years old, five years old, a couple different times, right? But I think I think real existential fear. And, and let me let me just say this. I was the type of kid that at six years old went down crying to my mother when I was supposed to be asleep because it dawned on me that I'm not immortal. It dawned on me that everybody around me is going to die. And these are really heavy concepts for a six-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. And so I've always thought deeply about life. But I would say that the real fear happened when I was in the cell, uh, a prison cell, like you and I had talked about in past conversations. And I was 100% convinced that I was going to do 30 years in prison, in some very violent prisons. And, and this was just to kind of set this up. Um, I was coming down off copious amounts of methamphetamine. Uh, I had burned every bridge that existed in my life. My own mother wouldn't come to see me. And I was in a prison cell, five by eight, cell 24 hours a day all by myself. I got let out an hour a day to take a shower. So 23 hours a day by mm -hmm. myself. And 
my entire, uh, my consciousness was I was never getting out. This was, this was the it, it. never get to contribute, never get to uh, fall in love, listen to the sound of my own children laugh around Christmas trees. All of those things were off the table. And that was scary. It's, it, it's a fear that I don't know that most people ever really get to experience, right? And mm -hmm. that was that moment where not only am I going to die, but <laughs> my, my actions have extreme consequences that are not just uh, available, right? Those consequences are not just available to somebody else, right? Try to imagine doing the rest of your life in prison and like that sinking feeling the moment you've just released everything to, oh, that's what's going to happen to me. That's scary, right? Not just the, 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 uh, the unknowns, the violence that's going to happen inside those prisons, but just the fact that you're going to be forgotten, you're a cautionary tale. At best, maybe your sister's still alive when you walk out of prison, but how do you get out of that, right? That was scary. Well, that was real fear. When you got out, you did some amazing things. And if I remember correctly from past conversations, did you say that you hadn't even done email when you when you got out? That's right. Yeah, so, I, 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 that was scary too. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the, the way you framed the question was, when what was the first time that I can remember facing real fear? But but now I think the question's kind of morphing into what were some of the scariest things I've ever done, or you've touched on some of the scariest things I've ever done in my life. Yes. So the, the two scariest things I've ever done in my life, um, one was walking out of prison. And I think a lot of people would assume that it was walking into prison or surviving prison or, you know, however they've imagined that would work out. But it was reintegrating back into society, positioning myself in life to actually fail and let people down. Scared the hell out of me. And the second one was actually telling my story, right? Which was something that I'd, I'd never done. But back to what you're, you, you were asking, when I walked out, uh, I had no college degree. I'd never sent an email. Um, and I had a 10-year work history gap, right? And I was institutionalized and starting over in corporate America. And it, it was tough. It was tough. But what I found out... Um, is that the only way I was ever going to become the person I was meant to be, right? Mm. The only way that I was ever going to achieve, let's just call it status for, for sake of understanding in this conversation. The only way I was ever going to achieve status or the level that I was capable of achieving was to continually run towards chaos and face fear. And through a series of doing that, in 10 years, I went from a guy that's never sent an email to a vice president inside a $2 billion publicly traded company. And, and it was hard, right? But it, it certainly was the proving grounds of this theory that I have that the only way you're ever going to become truly successful is to run through fear. And how, the right question to ask, I think would be, how did you do that? To go from what you just said to the $2 billion company vice president, how did you get through the fear at that time? Well, I mean, it was, uh, 
it wasn't just one specific, like, I mean, the, the short answer is I just, I just knew that the only way I was going to become successful is to be willing to do what everybody else around me wasn't. 16 hour days, you know, grabbing all the different functions of the business that I could get my hands on, um, working on Sundays, becoming a sponge by day and a, and a tireless researcher by night, all of those things, right? It never stopped for me. Becoming obsessed was really how I became successful. But at some point, I started to realize that there's no shortage of excuses for me to quit. There's no shortage of excuses for me to stop short of all of my goals. I mean, I've exceeded everything at certain points than anybody ever would have imagined I could do, right? Mm -hmm. Especially after I went and got locked up and had all the trouble that I had. But what I decided was I was going to continue to face fear and I was not going to do well for a guy who had faced prison or do well for a guy who got addicted to methamphetamine. I was going to live up to the standards that I had put on myself when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so there's no shortage of scary things. To most people, it's not scary to get, this is a really good example. Um, I got my first promotion, right? Two and a half years after being out. Uh, and, and by the way, is I think it's important for everybody to know that I climbed the ladder of success and nobody knew that I'd ever been to prison, right? I remember and, you and saying that. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and inside that is fear in itself, right? The fear of always looking over your shoulder and people are going to find out and I'm going to get fired. So guess what I did? I made sure that I continued to achieve everything that I could achieve. So that the day that people came to me and said, hey, why didn't you tell us about your prison sentence? I could say, cool, that happened. But look at the ROI of hiring Kyle Houston. Look at all the things that I've accomplished. And I just kept accumulating the things, right? But the first time I got given my first executive role, it was vice president, I'm sorry, director of North American sales. And I was happy for about five minutes, happy. I was ecstatic for about five minutes. And then all the fear set in again, because I can't get into Canada. I can't go to Mexico. All of that's part of my territory now. And I go right into fear and damage control. Most people don't have those fears. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Most people, and all of this is to corroborate the, the statement that uh, there was no shortage of fears in my life. Like everything was attached to the dark cloud. Everything was an extension of prison and everything had fear to it. So my choice was either call checkmate and not face any fear and maybe work on a line at a factory or McDonald's or whatever it is, or start running through brick walls. And I got really, really good at not only facing fear, but recognizing that fear was the breadcrumbs to what I really wanted. So fear became my barometer or my compass at some point. Not that I faced every fear. Not every fear is good, right? Sometimes fears are there to help you stay away from stuff. But I would run it to ground every time. Why am I scared of this? And if the answer ever was, I am scared of this because it's a lot of work, 
I am scared of this because I'm afraid I'll fail, or I am scared of this because, um, you know, name 15 other things, then I would run into it. And I would always know that on the other side of it, whether I achieved the thing or not, I was going to become a better person. I was going to become a better worker. I was going to be become a better human being and a more employable executive, right? That's what I cared about. With all the success you've had, do you still face, is there, do you, are you currently facing any fears or are there fears about the horizon? Well, I, I have to give you amazing props. You're such a curious person about the people that you talk to. I love it. I love it, man. Thank you. The answer is, you know, thank you. Are you kidding me? I've been on a ton of podcasts and people just same questions. Yes, I am currently facing fears. No, I am not immune to fear whatsoever. Yes, I, I am afraid of the stupid things. You would think that a guy that went through prison and had everything stripped from him, all the distractions at one time was completely zinned out and connected to the universe would never care about silly things like uh, how my pants fit or, <laughs> or my, how my hair looks or what do people think about me when I say this. But all of that stuff still exists mm. in my life. But I'm, I'm more aware of it. And when I can be aware of it, I can step back. And I have, um, I have a process that I go through for the big fear. Now, big fears aren't whether my pants fit or not. That was kind of a tongue in cheek. Big fears for me are still money, right? Um, and and I work on that heavily. And I have I have a system that I go through that is it leans towards more Eastern culture religion than anything else. But I certainly manage it in a completely different way. I believe everybody has a risk muscle, right? Okay. Or call it risk tolerance. I I just shorten it to your risk muscle because I want people to understand that they can build this muscle, right? But everybody has risk tolerance. And I think a lot of people believe that it's in their DNA. And maybe to some degree, you have a bent in your genome that allows you to take more risks or whatever it is. But when you start to tell yourself that, oh, Kyle's just a risk taker and I'm not, you allow yourself an excuse to be scared and not do anything, right? And I think all of that's bullshit. Everybody can take risks continually every day and build this risk muscle mm -hmm. that I'm talking about. And now the risks have to be greater. I'll give you a really good example. When I decided that I was going to write my book, which was a huge risk and confess my deepest, darkest secrets, I was that executive out in Silicon Valley that we were talking about. My entire identity was built around that. So this was a big risk, right? Mm -hmm. And it was one that was very difficult for me to take. I took it. I got on the other side of it. And you and I are standing here talking about my story right now to some degree. Now it's a hell of a lot easier for me to go out and take $100,000 and invest in real estate and tell myself, come what may, right? But I had to build up to that point. Now, before I wrote the book, I had upwards of a half a million dollars in a low interest bearing account and tons of money. And I always thought 
that if I ever left my job, if I ever did anything, that my house of cards would come crumbling to the ground. I had no risk tolerance when it came to money. I worked on that by doing the thing. And now I literally have invested an ungodly amount of money <laughs> to me mm -hmm. inside very risky real estate at a time that most people would say, this is the dumbest time to buy real estate. And, and I'm thriving in it, right? But I never could have gotten there had I not built up that risk tolerance or that risk muscle. And so it's been a series of small to greater to pushing the envelope on taking risks that have gotten me to the point to where I do things that my friends just shake their heads and say, I can't believe you do that. I mean, good for you. It works out for you, Kyle, but I could never do that. And so I forgot the question, but there's an answer for you. <laughs> well, we've, we've covered, a, you, you answered it. And we've covered a lot of ground in a short period of time. If someone's listening and they're currently facing fear or it's looming on the very immediate horizon, if you were to say, do one thing to charge through that brick wall, do one thing to overcome that fear, to get started, what would you tell them to do? Well, I mean, the easy answer is put one step in front of the uh, one foot in front of the other, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and and most people aren't going to face their fears until they have to, until their backs against the wall, right? And now they don't have a choice, like me in that cell, or me when I decided that I wanted to become successful. But really, I will tell people that if they can just find the courage when they're in that situation to put one foot in front of the other. It, it's kind of like the 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 Buddhist uh, saying, "Leap and the net will appear." It will appear, right? The next step will illuminate every single time. But for the people that are just paralyzed by fear, what they've got to get clear on is what their real value system is like, because almost everybody is working against that internal value system. Mm -hmm. And if they get clear on what their value system is, does their value system want them to take the leap? Or does their value system want them to stay exactly where they're at and find some other way to get around that? Figure that out. Once you have that answer, then you can start to move towards either fear or mitigating it. And I will almost always guarantee that moving towards fear, if they're being honest with themselves, is their best bet, right? Thank you so much for the time, Kyle. I appreciate it. And if people want to find you online, where's the best place to go? KyleHouston.com. Sorry, KyleDeanHouston.com. Um, all of my handles on Instagram, Facebook, uh, and LinkedIn are also Kyle Dean Houston. This has been awesome. Thank you again. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure, man. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Idea Climbing Podcast. If you'd like to hear from a lot more experts, the Idea Climbing book is now available at ideaclimbingbook.com. You can also hear more podcasts at ideaclimbing.com. Hope to see you in one of those two venues. Have a great one.